Hi, I'm Dorothy Burton, your host for Governing God's Way, connecting the timeless principles of Scripture to the timely issues of our day for those who serve, lead, and govern. King Solomon, the wisest leader to have ever lived, left us with this truth. There is nothing new under the sun, and what has been will be. What was true for him and those who served, led, and governed in his day is just as true for those who serve, lead, and govern today. Timeless principles to help in times like these. I am just thrilled to death. This is going to be great. First of all, let me tell you who I am. I'm Dorothy Burton, founder and president of Christians in Public Service and the host of Governing God's Way podcast. And I have with me today Jim Sanders, Chief Justice retired Carolyn Wright Sanders, Aaron Wiley, and Kaufman County District Attorney Early Wiley. And I am going to tell you a little bit about uh, these um, these people. As I was reading their bios, I thought I knew them, but I, I really didn't. I said, oh my God, I just feel so inadequate. But God is good, and I'm here, and and we're all here, and we're all God's children, and so I am just blessed beyond words. I'm going to introduce Jim Sanders. Jim was born in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and he was raised in Jacksonville, Florida, graduated from New Stanton High School, and got his bachelor's degree in sociology psychology from Edward Waters College in Jacksonville, Florida. Jim has been married for almost 33 years to retired Chief Justice Carolyn Wright Sanders. And they have a bunch of nieces and nephews and godchildren and mentees. And Jim is the president and owner of Sanders Real Estate and Investment and Sanders Construction, Inc. Jim has been very involved in Boy Scouts. He is a recipient of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce Quest for Success Award. He was selected by D Magazine as one of the top 50 people in the African-American community who make Dallas work. He was selected by Dallas Morning News as one of the top minority businesses in DFW. Very active in his church, Hamilton Park United Methodist Church. Jim is a vacation Bible school teacher, uh, very active in the Boy Scouts. He earned the rank of Eagle Scouts in Boy Scouts, inducted into the Order of the Arrow with Boy Scouts of America, and the recipient of the Boy Scouts of America William H. Spurgeon Exploring Award. And he just does a whole lot of things. He's recipient of the Dallas Bench and Bar Spouses Man of the Year Award. And Jim, we are happy to have you here today with your lovely wife, the Honorable Carolyn Wright. Justice Wright was inducted in 2014 the Texas Women's Hall of Fame. And with her historic 2009 appointment by Governor Rick Perry as Chief Justice of the Fifth District Court of Appeals, Justice Wright became the first African-American woman to serve as Chief Justice on any any of the 14 intermediate courts of appeals in Texas. She was the first African-American woman to win in a multi-county election in Texas history. 
a Texas judge for over 30 years with civil, family, criminal, and mediation experience. Justice Wright served as a practicing attorney, Dallas County Associate Judge, and State District Judge before being appointed as a Justice on the Court of Appeals by Governor Bush in 1995. Over her storied career, she has authored thousands of legal opinions and cases involving legal issues in every area of Texas law. Justice Wright is unsurpassed in her ability to motivate young would-be lawyers, instilling in them a passion for the legal profession, integrity, and justice. She is a Rotarian. I used to be a Rotarian until they kicked me out. Now I'm kidding. <laughs> Rotarian and Paul Harris Fellow, and also a member of Hamilton Park United Methodist Church, The Lynx Inc., the Jordan CDC, and a host of other groups. Chief Justice Wright has been recognized by a long list of distinguished organizations. Her many awards include the National Association of Women Lawyers Leadership Award, the American Bar Association Business Sections Award for contributions to women and proficiency in law. Governor Bush presented Justice Wright with the Yellow Rose of Texas Award for her significant contributions to the community. She was Governor Bill Clements appointee to the Governor's Commission for Women, a fourth generation Texan born in Houston, reared in a career military family. Justice Wright has lived throughout the US and Japan, and she graduated from the Howard University School of Law in Washington, DC, where she received the Distinguished Alumni Award Justice Wright is also the recipient of the 2019 Christians in Public Service Ron J. Anderson MD Public Servant Leader of the Year Award. Whoa, see why I felt inadequate? Aaron, Aaron Wiley. Hi, Aaron. Aaron was born, <laughs> Aaron was born and raised in a single parent home with his father in South Central District of Los Angeles, California. That's South Central, right? That's the same as South Central. Wow. That's what that's what the locals call. Okay, okay. Aaron received his BA in English Literature from UCLA. Following college, uh, Mr. Wiley received a scholarship to attend the University of Michigan Law School in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mr. Wiley is currently the principal at Aaron L. Wiley Law, PC where he practices in the areas of federal white collar defense and internal compliance investigation. During his time as a county, state, and federal prosecutor, Mr. Wiley tried over 100 felony jury trials. Before forming his own practice, Mr. Wiley was a partner in Lackey Hirschman's white collar division. Before returning to private practice, Mr. Wiley spent 18 years as an assistant United States Attorney with the United States Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Texas. Before joining the federal government, Mr. Wiley was an assistant district attorney in Dallas County. As I was reading his bio, I go, okay, so how did he and Early hook up? And that got me hooked up right there. The Dallas County District Attorney's Office. Mr. Wiley began his legal practice as an associate in the commercial litigation section of Norton Rose Fulbright's Dallas office. When not practicing law, Mr. Wiley enjoys contact sports, uh, Texas politics, 
and he is proud of his wife, family, and lasting friendships. And lastly, uh, Honorable Early N. Wiley, born and raised in Kaufman County, a hometown girl who got to be the district attorney of Kaufman County. How cool is that? She graduated from Texas Tech University, Rawls College of Business, and attended law school at Texas Law. District Attorney Wiley joined the Dallas County DA's office, promoted to supervising attorney, trained new attorneys, and managed 14 different courts. Whoa. She successfully ran for judge of Kaufman County Court at Law, winning a hard-fought contested race. Appointed by Governor Rick Perry to fill the unexpired term of the office of the Criminal District Attorney's Office in Kaufman County, and we're going to talk about that later. Some of you remember that case. Subsequently, she won election in 2014 and has been the Kaufman County Criminal District Attorney for seven years. Some of her notable awards and recognitions, 2013 from the State Bar of Texas, Outstanding Leadership Profiles of Courage Award, and Texas District and County Attorneys Association Lone Star Prosecutor Award, as well as the Dallas Black Police Officers Association with the Paved the Way Award in 2015. She published a memoir, A Target on My Back, Yes, she did, for real, <laughs> which described the tragic events that resulted in the then district attorney's death and how she survived the killer's hit list. And her book, A Target on My Back, I recommend that you go to Amazon.com and get a copy. This is a real-life, true story that nobody would believe if they hadn't lived through it to see it. Most proud of her husband, her family, her children, and lasting relationships, Kaufman County DA Early Wiley says that she's blessed with a wonderful family, great parents that gave her the role models to live by, faith, family, and community. Welcome guests. Thank you for being here today. So with that, we're going to start, uh, this is going to be just a free flow kind of conversation because in addition to all of your accomplishments in the legal field. You guys are an inspiration to many who are awaiting kidney transplants, those who are, have, are leaders who are married to uh, spouses who uh, they have to share the limelight, limelight with, especially husbands who support women who do. And we have a, even a tale of murder and prosecution all in here. So we're just going to start and we're just going to get after it. Uh, tell me, and we'll start with uh, Kaufman County DA Early Wiley, and this question is going to go for the four of you. Um, tell me about your, your, your per how do you keep it all together, your personal life, and especially being in, in the limelight with not so, not so much favorable characters. Um, D.A. Wiley, tell us, you and Aaron, your story and how you keep it together. Well, thank you, Dorothy, for having us here um, and for sharing our story. I think the most important thing is to be grounded, um, focus on what's important. As the criminal district attorney, um, the cases that we deal with, uh, it, it can be trying. Um, the, the, you call it the limelight. I get a lot of support from my husband, Aaron, from my family. But 
but the role that we have in public service and doing what's right in elected positions, but in other positions, I think it's paramount. I think it's you have to focus on what's important. And though it's it's nice to get accolades, that's not why we do the job. We do the job to serve the community. And my job, my role, is to protect the citizens in Kaufman County and the state of Texas. So I think it's just focusing on what's important. I think that's why Aaron's a wonderful man, and you'll hear from him. He has um, a challenging job in and of his on his own, but he's very supportive of what I'm doing. He's always believed in what I'm doing, but it's it's a it's a joint effort. I mean, when I get those calls at four o'clock about something, he's there. Um, he he supports that because we want to protect this community and our state as we can. So I think being grounded and knowing what's important, uh, knowing that this is not just temporary. Um, the decisions we make, but also that we're just passing through. I'm leaving this job for somebody one day, and I hope I just make it a better place in Kaufman County, where I was fortunate to be raised and got to serve as a judge for 10 years now as a DA for eight. It was really, I mean, we could go on and on, but I like the free-flowing. I don't know if Aaron has anything to add or judge. Aaron, what is it, how, how and I'm, I'm going to ask this, I'm going to, and, and take it in the spirit that I'm asking. As I was, I was on city council in Duncanville. I, I served four terms, and, and my husband had his own career, and he kind of just was in the background, but I couldn't have been what I was if, if he didn't support me and have that kind of spirit. What, what would you tell men who are, and I don't want to, just blanket say men are ego driven but men especially men of substance they have big egos how how do how do men keep that in check uh, in a supportive role when their when their wife is is the honorable this or honorable that how do you what, yeah. what would you tell men yeah i would would, would tell them that, that it starts with a comfort level of being around uh, powerful women, women of substance, women that have their own ideas, um, but that will listen. It's a partnership. Now, at the end of the day, uh, oftentimes my wife is the person that is up front, uh, that is on the stage, that is giving a talk, uh, that is receiving an award, um, that is on the news. Um, but in truth, I know what I contribute to that. Um, and I'm and I'm comfortable with that. Um, early is and and you've got to be on your game too. Let's just be intellectually honest. Mm -hmm. uh, to be with someone this wicked smart that um, that even in your personal conversations you have to think, did I really say that? Because she has such a wealth of of experience. But then again, my experience is different and. As a, and as a man, what I add to her thought process um, gives her new and different ideas and different perspectives. Um, and our, our backgrounds are so different. I mean, I live in, in Kaufman now with my wife, but I'm from South Central LA or the district, of, the Southern District of Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, I grew up in an apartment, in a one bedroom apartment with my dad. And she grew up in a in a house with with her mother and father and and brothers where they didn't have to lock the door. 
Um, those are certainly different perspectives. Um, my experience was as an assistant U.S. attorney or even as, an, as a district attorney, dealing a lot with drug cases and inner city crimes, uh, the kinds of crimes that are moving towards uh, Sleepy Kaufman now um, and, and how you have to prepare for those, those things. But first and foremost, you have to have a humble spirit. You have to know, to answer your question, you have to know who you are and what you contribute to the relationship. That's not just in a political relationship. That's in a marriage of, of, of any kind. You know, my wife makes, makes a lot of decisions uh, in, in home and professionally. Uh, but I have a part in that. Sometimes I, ha I have a veto. <laughs> Sometimes, but rarely used, but occasionally I have a veto. Um, but, but my wife makes most of those decisions, and I'm, I'm happy with that, and I'm supportive of that. It's, it's wonderful to be, to be married to someone on which, in which you're equally yoked. Society may not know that, but we're equally, we're equally yoked, most importantly with our values. The standards that I try and tell, uh, tell young men um, is that you marry someone that you have similar values. And if you were to have a child with that person, would you be comfortable with how they raise that child if for some, some reason you were no longer there? That's the person that, that you're really looking for. And happily, that's the person that I found in my wife. And Jim, I'm going to segue to you. It, it, it doesn't get any higher as far as Texas courts and other than the Supreme Court, but Texas Court of Appeals with, and your wife being um, appointed uh, Chief Justice and, and before that all the roles that she had and you being president of your own real estate company, your own construction company, um, and um, how, 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 did, how, do, how do you keep it all, how do you keep it all in check? And the first question, and the second question is, how do you see, how would you want young men, what would you, what would you say to, not even young men, but old men too, men who are married to powerful <laughs> women who, who have this feeling and sometimes of, of inferiority or, or uh, intimidation because it can be, I, I counsel with a lot of people, uh, married people, married men and women, and it's like, She's the boss, but she's the boss there, but she don't boss when it comes to home. And that, <laughs> that I hear that a lot, um, especially with women who can, you know, have the power to send you to, to prison or to death. Uh, you know, sometimes they take that home. You know, I, hey, I, I sent you to death. <laughs> but how do, you handle, how do you handle it, Jim? <laughs> well, I think Aaron says something very significant. Uh, numerous things, but the one thing that really I agree with is, is values. You've you got to have people in your life that share like values. Otherwise, that's a major contrast that that only leads to conflict. So I think we share very similar values. Um, yes, I, I, I was blessed to have a very fortunate early life, and I, I, I sometimes smile because I can see myself from the standpoint of, while well, she has really done very well, and as a public figure, uh, I respect that, and, and I, I want to make certain that we perpetuate my support with her by, by 
being able to allow her to do those things. Uh, sometimes, I mean, it, it becomes overwhelming, especially when it comes to speaking engagement opportunities. Uh, it's constantly, especially in the early, there was always some type of, of event or activity that you were uh, having to accompany her with or go to. And, and you know, being able to very quietly uh, listen and, and be very proud of her. Um, that, that can be challenging. But again, um, it, this is a family value. We share the same uh, values, and, and that makes it easy. Um, um, as as uh, Aaron said, you know, we all have some veto votes, but occasionally we, we, we try to uh, make certain that those are appropriately used. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's just this case of, of recognizing and, and seeing what other people see publicly, and, and you want to support that. As, as much as possible. Even privately, I when I emailed uh, Chief Justice, I had Chief Justice, oh, I know, when I first did the graphic, I think I had Chief Justice Carolyn Wright, and she emailed me back. She goes, oh, no. She said, I'm just uh, Carolyn Wright Sanders. So I had to hurry up and, and correct that. So she she, she was very, uh, and and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's old school. I just thought, I just think it's respect that's just not there anymore for the male and, and the male figure. Uh, well, let me add this. She's an elected official. And she was an elected official before I married her. And you have to recognize, and I, and I have no ego about this, if people know Carolyn Wright and that's who they want to vote for, I'm all for that. They don't know Carolyn Sanders, necessarily. So I had no problem. Matter of fact, I became... Jim Wright on several occasions. <laughs> I, call, I, did, and, I think I put Jim Wright on there. That's what she corrected me. Not a problem. That's, that, that's what, you know, I, I, I'm not that thin-skinned that that offends me at all. Because if I had a daughter, every time I was called Jim Wright, I could really uh, uh, take Aaron out somewhere. <laughs> but that, that's just part of it. I mean, that's that's selfish for me to know you're going to be Carolyn Sanders. No. As I said, she was a judge before I married her, and and the name that the, the majority has taken. You know, when she was first elected, she had nearly eighty percent of the votes. They knew Carolyn Wright. They didn't know Carolyn. She had to go in and run under Carolyn Sanders. I'm not certain if she would be reelected, hmm. but they did know Carolyn Wright. So again, I'm thankful for the fact that she had the type of name recognition. And Justice Wright, your turn. How well? And I am so grateful for my husband. Let me say that. First of all, I think you have to know God's purpose for your life, for your own life. You have to know what it is that you believe God has purposed you to do. And then choose your mate so that you are equally yoked. And I agree totally with Aaron. You must be equally yoked with someone to be to ask them the confidences that I have to keep the the information that um, that he's privy to um, it's just I could not be married to someone who ran their mouth indiscriminately and you know and <laughs> hung out at the bar and you know and that just would not work 
in my situation. And so I, I just, I am so, so grateful that um, he has been a man of integrity, um, a man of great discretion. Um, and there are times when I have even had to ask him um, to reconsider a project, for instance. Mm. This man is in, in business. He's in real estate and construction. There are many, many offers that come to him. And if I look at a case and it is, it's involving a company or someone that I think that is in some way involved in the courts and either in a civil lawsuit or an indictment or whatever, if I ask him, if I say to him, I really would prefer that you not um, take that job um, because I think that that could come back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. My husband, absolutely. Um, money is, you know, that has never gotten in the way of his integrity. And I am so, so, so grateful um, for that. And so I just think that you have to um, know God's purpose for your life. You have to work um be with a partner who's willing to work with you and and you with that partner um, in in God's purpose for your partner's life as well. And so we we we're very very fortunate on uh, in that regard that um, that we've been able um, to have a great partnership in marriage. Second question. I'm gonna. This is to all four of you and and. You, you can just jump in when you want. All four of you mentioned values, that you have to have shared values. And our, we know that our value system is shaped and formed early through our philosophy of life, our ideology, our theology, and all of that. So for married professional couples, all of you mentioned values. What are the most uh, integrity I, I heard is one. What are the most, and each of you answer this, please. What's the most important values for two people, highly professional, uh, high uh, uh, name ID, in the public eye, in the public sector, public servant leaders. What are the most important values for that individual and for their marriage? I guess honest, honesty, I guess, would be the most obvious yeah. uh, because uh, without honesty, uh, you're on a slippery slope that will certainly uh, make, you know, uh, certainly assure your demise because regrettably that there are people that, that play off the fact that if they can find a dishonest act something that could be detrimental to your partner, they will certainly explore that, whether it's intentional or not. And you know, even sometimes, even unintentional things can be uh, catastrophic. So I guess being honest uh, in, in our activities in our life—that's that's really the uh, key element, as far as I'm concerned. I have to agree, and then also just just commitment and loyalty um, to um, to that commitment. There are certain things that you absolutely will not do. Um, to in a friendship or partnership or marriage if you really really care about another person and I 
I think that you have to carry that throughout. What are the kinds of things, the breaches of loyalty in this relationship that could destroy um, this person personally, professionally, spiritually? And um, I, I think you, you, you really um, have to, those are considerations for me. It's a combination of them, I think. But uh, integrity is real key with me because with my father, a lie was uh, uh, was subject to almost a death sentence. Well, I think we were raised with similar parents, and that's why when Jim popped back and said honesty and integrity are interchangeable. If a person's dishonest, they don't have integrity. And we were raised with that, you know, you're, there's the trouble you got in was not for the disobedience always, but it was for a little lie and a cover-up. So if you, you know, the old saying, if you will lie about something, and then, you know, we would graduate all the way up to, my goodness, my, my mother would say, you, you know, you commit murder, because if you lie, you steal, and, you know, they would, they would make it the, the worst. But in, in, in marriage, it's almost a repeating and a commitment of your, of your vows. It's honoring something. There are circumstances that you can get in. Um, just you have to honor that other person and be honest about those and not allow yourself. Justice's history was obviously um, much higher judge, but all of is a judge. You have the appearance of impropriety. And so that's why she was saying that Jim was taking a client that uh, a project on that could, if she ruled, appear to be inappropriate or impropriety. But if you're not yoked with somebody that has those same values, sure, Jim would say, no problem, because he wouldn't want to put her in that light. So it's such a blessing. And obviously, I think all of us uh, share the same Christian, not be different faiths, values. And so you're repeating those same things, honor, integrity, honesty, um, commitment and marriage is that that and relationships are that um, and you, you you feel so strongly and love the person so much you never want to put them in a bad position and it's the same thing for Aaron in his business you want to do things that are going to honor him and respect him and of course he gets the veto vote because um, biblically, the scripture tells us, you know, the man will be, the, I might be the head of this office, but when I go home, you know, usually he sees it the correct way. Um, but when, you know, he is wise as a husband can be, then yes, he gets to serve the veto vote. But it's just that we see things so a lot. It, it, it really came more with the raising of boys because you have to respect men. There's things that I don't understand as a woman. And I I think that we are missing that with our young men. And Aaron would say, honey, this is going to make this boy sorry if you don't do this and that. I didn't see that. So many times we had those disagreements when it came to the boys. And most of the things, really all the things he said about how to raise and what to do with those boys, as they are now young men, were correct. And I, I, I didn't know. I, I, my, my mother and father both raised me, but my mother was pouring everything into me. And my father, uh, I, I didn't see that. I didn't have that dynamic. So I think 
that there's places that's so appropriate for the male perspective. And I would I would add, uh, thank you, Early. I would would add um, about the honesty and the integrity and and the loyalty. The thing that I would would ask would add, although it's probably been said in another way, is particularly between husband and wife is is candor, um, because. In our judicial system, not that that's the, the gold standard, but there are only two things that are recognized, i.e. the spousal privilege between a husband and a wife and uh, the privilege between an attorney and a client. I tell my clients this all, all the time, that you have to be honest with one another. Um, there has to, now, not, not saying that, that, that you can't have, have some fudge room, you know, like on this shirt that I wore without a tie. <laughs> I commented on that, um, but there are that's that that's the, the critical thing is that you have to have honesty. We've already established that you have the same same values, but in our pursuits of whether that is good business or pursuit of politics, there are certainly so many temptations out there, like to jump to the next position or to jump to the next position within your business. As, as Justice Wright pointed out earlier, um, that you have to temper that on what is best for both of us. Um, you know, certainly I had opportunities with, with DOJ to go, uh, go other places like to D.C. or possibly to other countries. At the rate where we were at the time, that wasn't, while it would have been possibly good for me, that would have been terrible for our relationship. We still had young boys. My wife was still you know, a fairly young judge in her career, um, those weren't the right things to do. And we had had conversations about about that and what was the right thing for both of us. That's a good segue into the next the next question. The values that you guys espoused, um, loyalty and commitment and honoring uh, each other. Um, and I think Justice Wright said there are just some things that you won't do. I was reading a, the biography of Barbara Jordan, and she calls it the core. And she said you have to have that core there, that if you don't have that, you don't need to be in politics. There are just some lines that you don't cross. Uh, segwaying into the political part, and then the next part is going to be the transplants, the absolute uh, gold standard of love for all four of you that, we're, that we want to get to. Obviously, uh, being appointed by Governor Bush and, and running in Kaufman County as an African American has to be difficult. Uh, all of you are Republicans, uh, African American Republicans, which uh, is a rarity in Texas. I, I was forever. I grew up that way. I could not understand it. This is no. This is this is not. Everybody knows my story, but my husband was a, a Democrat. I'm a Republican with big Afro and and. We're voting, and he was voting for Jimmy Carter, and I was voting for Ronald Reagan, and I just looked at him, and I go, I, I just couldn't understand that. I mean, it just didn't register with me that 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 I, I just didn't get it. Um, but it was difficult being African American in in, in, in Texas, certainly now. Um, and uh, D. A. Uh, Wiley, you're still in office and in, in, in elected Republican. Yes. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you withstand the, 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 the pressure that's, that's there to not be, to be who you are? And why the Republican Party 
and not the Democrat Party. The, um, the core values, you can be disappointed in some of the federal, perhaps even some of the state office holders at a higher level. But as you run in a smaller county, which we, I think our census numbers will kind of come out, uh, we're, we're growing. We're at under 150,000, where 10 years ago we were probably about half that size. So we doubled almost in 10 years. But you, people can get to know you. Um, so the values that you have, and so the true, and this isn't a political because we, we love our Democrat uh, public officials as well as our Republican. And many on both sides have similar values, but those core values of conservatism to the small C, which is family, faith, individualism, um, individual rights, the, the hopefully incorporating the Bill of Rights and respecting people's individual rights over the collective. And I think most people who didn't say you're labeled a Republican and you're labeled a Democrat, if we talk to our friends that vote Democrat, you sit at a dinner table, they are going to have very similar views. And so the problem is you can have that conversation that you agree with everything, with how you raise your children, where you want them to go to school, the values you want them to have, want to have a great job. You have the same values, and then you go, well, I'm, you know, I'm a Republican. Then they fold their hands and lean back and go, what's wrong with her? <laughs> but um, that is, that's not as important as it is uh, governing, and for me, as a district attorney, my responsibility is to do what is, you know, to be fair, to be blind with justice. Yes, you know, one day I can have a police officer as a witness or I can have a police officer as a defendant. Justice is impartial, and we are going to, in Kaufman County, follow with the legislature has told us are the violations in the penal code and we're going to be fair about that be it a police officer that might be charged or a police officer that's a witness if that's a republican in Kaufman county it's not popular because i'm african-american i don't apologize for that because that's what i believe and when you believe in something it's easy to run on, on, in that arena and that's not hard for um, I think the further away you get and more people can't talk to you individually, then I would probably be brushed with the same broad brush as a Republican that might be running for president. But when you're at home and it's close and people know you and they say, oh, that's our lady, I'll switch over and vote for her because I know her. I wish we could do that with people at higher levels, but it's impossible because of the money that's involved in it and you know, all the money that's poured into it, the messages get lost. And so I had the advantage of having lots of Democrat support. Um, I have, um, you know, African-American friends that are in my county that don't agree with higher level Republicans, but will support me. And I understand that. And I'm not going to argue with them. That's, that's not my place. I just know, as Justice Wright said, I know what I believe in. I know what my core values are, and I'm comfortable with that. I know who I am. Justice Wright, you were, you were one of the early uh, elected leaders going back to uh, Bill Clements. Um, what, what, what say you about 
black Republicans and and where we are uh, today. And I'm going to, I want both of you to answer that because as people of God, uh, we have a serious division among us. And it's just not race. It's politics. It's race. It's all kinds of divisions everywhere. So Justice Wright, uh, talk a little bit about that and from you being a, a forerunner for people like uh, Kaufman County DA Wiley. Speak a little bit about that and where you see us today and how can we begin as Christians to close the divide and begin to talk with one another again? Let me, um, let me say this to you. Um, as most people uh, who know me know that my father had a very, very strong um, impact on um, my belief system and a lot of my core values. Both my parents, of course, but um, my father was uh, uh, somehow uh, a very, uh, a very large figure. And my father, I, when, as I was getting to be a teenager and um, wanted to um, hang out um, with um, other teenagers and do things that they did, my father was very strict. And most of the time his answer was no. I, those were things that I could not do. Well, there was a particular party and I just, had to go. I mean, I was just anxious and I, and I was just, it just came down to, Daddy, I have got to go. I mean, everybody who's anybody is going to be there. And he said, oh, is that why you have to be there? Hmm. And I said, yes. I mean, I'm the captain of the girls basketball team and I'm the you know, on the letter and field hockey and track and field. And, you know, I've just got to be there. And I'm editor of the yearbook. And, and I've got to be there. And he said, I know who's giving that party. And I really don't like um, the parenting and discipline that goes on in that house. And... Um, you're not going to be able to go to that party. I was horrified. I started screaming, kicking. Yeah. He said, let me tell you something. Teach you a little lesson in leadership. Hmm. If everybody is doing the same thing, then distinguish yourself. You need to distinguish yourself. Now I'm going to tell you, what you can do. I'm going to give you a list of the things that you can do on that evening. You won't be able to go to this party. And let me see how many of your friends and others you can get to do what you choose to do of this list of things that you're going to be able to do. But you're not going to be able to go to that party. And so it has, 
not been different for me to go down roads less traveled in my life. Because I learned very early on that, um, you know, that leadership doesn't require you to necessarily do the same thing that everybody else is doing the same way that they are doing. You have to know your purpose. You have to have a goal and you must be able to reach your goal. And be strong enough to know what your dad was teaching you to know who you are and to what you are you about. Are. Precisely. And so I'm saying that um, to say that political parties, um, there are good people in both parties, no question. My purpose, as I saw it, was that I came to a city where Democrats had been in control for years when I came to Dallas. And there were few, if any, African-American judges. There were two. Let me be real clear. There were two African-American judges of all the judges on the bench in Dallas. I said, there need to be more people of color on the, on the bench. This is about justice. This is about inclusion. This is about fairness. So it was clear that judges were selected along party lines. Around 80, um, all of the judges, 82, uh, all of the judges start, started switching, who had been Democrats, who were Anglo, they started switching to the Republican Party. So again, my purpose was to increase the presence of minorities in the judiciary. And the values, and, the, and, the, and I found good people in the Republican Party. And when, when you are following God's purpose, God will put people in your life to help you reach the goal that he is setting for you. And at that time in my life, that's who they were. And I had known, I lived in Washington, D.C. I knew and worked with numerous Black Republicans in D.C., as well as Democrats. So it was not, um, it was not an alien idea uh, to me. There were numerous Black Republicans in the Nixon administration, in the government, in D.C. when I was there. As a matter of fact, the um, call him Pop Fletcher, uh, Art Fletcher was uh, was the author who's a, who was a Republican, Black Republican, um, was the author um, of the um, of the plan. Early, do you know Art Fletcher? Do you know no, Art? I know of him because the Nixon administration was a little bit before my time, but I just remember right. when you said the nickname Art and Pop Fletcher, that that was something that um, when we visited D.C. and we had good friends that went to Howard, they were giving us the history of some of um, folks that you're mentioning their name. That's why I'm nodding along with you. I'm like, I've heard these names, but... Um, well, in, in, during the Nixon administration, 
when the whole idea of set-asides came about. Uh, Pop Fletcher was the, was the initiator of that under the, and that's why there were so many uh, black Republicans who supported Nixon because he supported black businesses. And, and Art Fletcher, Pop Fletcher, uh, was the uh, initiator of that. So I say all of that um, to say that I am, I am really more concerned about individuals in politics and less concerned about um, uh, partisan uh, political uh, politics. I'm concerned about their core values. And I'm also concerned, very much concerned about racism. And I believe that there are many African-Americans who are conservative, but I have told um, the Republican party leaders that if ever the Republican party values of conservative values get confused with racism, that there will be a huge departure of people of color from the party. And so uh, I think Republicans have a lot of work to do to make certain that, um, that the party remains inclusive uh, and that it, it does not become, uh, conservatism does not become synonymous with racism. That segues into our, our final section, um, the kidney transplants. God tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I wanted to ask that question before I got to this segment and relating it back to God's word and God's promises. He tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Even back in listening to your story with your father, and your father instilled that uh, in you to not be afraid to, to be different and to follow your own path. Years later, had you not, if you had followed the crowd like everyone else and then the Democrat like everyone else that looked like you at that time, you had no idea, you would not have had the colleague that you had in Justice in, in Judge David Evans that would someday be the lifeline that you needed. Had you followed the crowd, God says he knows the plans he has for us. You never would have met, you may have met David Evans because you both were lawyers, judges or whatever, but you wouldn't have formed that bond that you did. God knew back then that you would need the Republican white male David Evans because he knew the plans that he had for you and he knew that you would have a need for a kidney. Just so happens that a white Republican male who you met as a friend uh, was the lifeline that, that you needed to do. You had no way of knowing that. And let me say that Justice David Evans is way more than just uh, Anglo Republican male. He is a man of God. He is a man that of true faith. He is a believer. 
He is a man of great integrity. He is a man that that I owe my second chance at life to. And I celebrate him. Um, You know, tomorrow is the second anniversary of my kidney transplant. Mm -hmm. And um, it is just, um, and he named um, the kidney that he gave me Kevin. So (laughs) I consider it, um, uh, although my actual birthday is not until the 27th of September, my original birthday, I consider my second um, birthday as September the 10th, mine and Kevin's together. And And so this uh, okay. a great celebration and uh, and I am so grateful uh, to Justice Evans and and, uh, and and that shows you that you know across the board uh, you know that people they are just good people um, you know regardless of political party regardless of uh, race and um, and that is what um, Oh my goodness, that is what I just so long for, is for just people of, of, of goodwill and good character um, to be friends and to be able to share their faith and, um, and to give each other uh, uh, a chance at life, uh, at liberty, at happiness. And uh, and I am so very very grateful for that. Without that, you would have you would have passed away. You were in a coma for two months, right? Uh, as, as, well, the, initially uh, seven years ago, um, it was um, well. I guess this might be the eighth year. Yeah, it's uh, the eighth year now. Um, I got um, I became ill with some kind of virus unknown, uh, went in, uh, got pneumonia, uh, double pneumonia, had sepsis, um, was on life support. They had basically given, given up hope. The doctors had given up hope. And there were prayer chains all over the world. People all over the world were praying. Um, United States, just everywhere, praying for my life. And um, it was a great miracle, mm-hmm. and um, and so my husband was there, and and um, he he said she will not die uh, when they talked when they talked about take, having to take away the life support. My mother encouraged my husband. She said, "God has already shown me that um, that she won't die if they say they have to take the life support." take the life support. She's not going to die. And um, so I survived, but I had kidney failure as a result of being in that coma for two months. And so for it, it would be, uh, I guess I would go back and forth where I was on dialysis and then uh, for a while. And then for three years I was off. And then finally they said, um, you are going to, uh, this is the end of the rope. We, you know, all this has been a miracle, but you're going to need a kidney transplant. And that's when the effort started. Um, it was two years ago um, that we started the effort looking for a donor. 
And oh my God, what an awesome journey that was because um, they, they at first tell you to try to find a donor within your own family. And, um, and, and there were, there was high blood pressure that would eliminate donors. There was uh, obesity that would uh, eliminate donors. There was uh, diabetes that would eliminate donors. So uh, cancer, there were all kinds of conditions if, if a person had that would eliminate them because um, the hospital wouldn't take a kidney from or an organ from a person they thought might need it um, because of the fact that they were already in poor health. So they would not take an, uh, um, a donor, uh, a living donor uh, donation from someone who was in poor health. So I had a whole list of family members who didn't qualify on that basis. And so that that's your first hope. And then people started looking to friends and, and um, there was so much involved. And then I discovered that even within your own church, um, that African-Americans, although 60% of those in need of organ donations are people of color. They're African-Americans. They only, they are only about 30% of the donors. Hmm. And so you must, if you want a living kidney donation, you have to go to other races, other, you know, other people. I mean, you have, you have to have a search that's way beyond your own family, your own um, church, your own community, um, because people just have not uh, either, uh, they have not taken care of their own bodies or have had illnesses that have um, impacted them, um, or they just are not aware that they can live healthy lives and still um, give extended life to another person. And so, um, I, you know, I can't um, say enough about uh, minorities, African-Americans, Hispanics. Um, I can't say enough about them being willing um, to be living kidney donors. A lot of times, um, African-Americans, people of color, end up with what's uh, known as cadaver uh, uh, donations of organ donations. And the, the, quite frankly, the cadaver, uh, you know, you're grateful if you get an organ from anywhere, but the cadaver or, or organs that are donated from people who are already um, considered um, to, to be um I guess kept alive basically for the the purpose of of uh, uh, of, of donating um, the organ, but they are not considered to be a living donor. That's considered a cadaver donor, and those kidneys or organs do not last as long as uh, living donations. If in fact it's a it's a good match, a good healthy match. And Aaron, that segues too into your story. Early had given you a 
you had, were in need of a kidney and uh, your wife was a match and she gave you one of her kidneys, but after 10 years, your kidney failed. Uh, tell yes. us tell us about how, how uh, Jennifer, very much the way Judge uh, Evans was, she was yeah. your angel too. Yeah, um, it's interesting because along with, with many years of, of, of marriage, my, my wife has become for lack of a better word, less modest about about this. Um, she, as she likes to say, she saved my life twice. Uh, the first time being when back in in February fourteenth, two thousand eight, when of all the people out there, she was uh, shockingly we don't look anything alike. Uh, the perfect match for me for for a kidney. Uh, that kidney worked uh, wonderfully for many years. Uh, one does not know how sick they are with kidney failure until they get a, until they get a kidney. One, you don't, you don't have the brain fog. You don't have, you have the ability to taste food. Um, you have the, you just feel better. Um, I've certainly some people that, that knew me thought my personality changed, uh, because I was much more jovial and, 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 and playful. Um, the reason why my wife says she saved my life and obviously she did save my life then. The reason why she says she saved my life twice was because it's almost like being being pregnant and going into labor. I thought everything else except kidney failure uh, when I was when I was sick, which ultimately led to me um, uh, collapsing uh, in a and going into a seizure in a Baylor hospital room where my uh, blood pressure was about 265 over 138. I was, I, I woke in a, uh, in ICU, um, didn't know how I got there, um, different people surrounding me. Um, and that was my, that was, again, I was fortunate to live. And that was in April the 25th of 2018. Um, what happened next was they, they got me ready for dialysis again. I was released from the hospital on May the 8th and I started right back at dialysis. Um, even though as a lawyer, people think the people that are litigators are, um, are extroverts. Generally speaking, I'm an, I'm an introvert masquerading as an extrovert. And I don't talk about things like, like my health. Many people didn't know that I was sick. Um, and we were so fortunate, um, because I didn't tell, because if you don't tell people, nobody knows that, Hey, maybe you need to give, to consider giving a kidney. Um, I'm the only child, love an only child, so family is not, I don't have a lot of family. Um, but early and I on Cinco de Mayo, and I want to say that was 2020, yes, it was 2020 because we were still wearing masks with COVID. We went to our jeweler, who I've known for years, but, you know, I've never had a meaningful, you know, real conversation with. And somewhere doing, during our time, we were redesigning a necklace. Somewhere doing that, she kept offering me water. Well, one of the things about being on dialysis is you have to limit your, your fluid intake. Um, and finally, I didn't speak up. I just politely declined. Early speaks up and says, well, he can't have water because he's on dialysis. He's on fluid in intake. Jennifer Pratt asked a couple of questions. Um, what's dialysis? Um, and she knew that my wife had given me a kidney. I'll early explain that she'd given me a kidney before. 
we explained a couple of things and went back to the to the jewelry. Um, she had our numbers. She called early the next day while she was jogging, and she asked a couple of follow-up questions about, was it painful? How long were you off work? And early answered those questions. And then Jennifer, I mean, who would have known? Uh, just said God put it on her heart to give me a kidney. Um, changed my life. Um, once again, um, to, to be able to have clarity of thought. I mean, I understood. I don't mean to sound stream of consciousness, but I, I, there was a level of understanding of, of why my wife gave me a kidney because, you know, she's going to get something out of it and that, and that her husband lives and that, you know, I can do the things that, that husbands do and be supportive and, and those things. But for Jennifer Pratt, I, it was hard to reconcile because there was nothing. She's going to go into surgery and, and give me a kidney and somebody that she didn't barely know, did not know that she was the conservative Christian uh, wonderful woman that she is because we hadn't gotten into that depth of conversation prior to that. Um, it certainly, again, changed my life. And God does to, to follow what you said earlier, uh, Dorothy, is that it puts people in your life um, that, that uh, irrevocably change your life. And it just so happened to be that she was a, a white female. We never thought about it about that and clearly she didn't think about that with me um but the reaction that came from that uh a couple of news stories that went you know across the country and it was during the same time we were having the riots that we were having last year and the, all the conversations from black lives matters and all of that that stuff uh it was something that was very refreshing for, for a larger scope uh but but for me, again, it will forever change change our lives, um, and I feel just just fantastic. I have a, just an extremely high functioning functioning kidney. She drank a lot of water. <laughs> she, she did, and I don't know that I even like water, um, but I find myself consuming large amounts of, of of water, and so I can't quite do like, like Judge because I've got too many too many birthdays if I add. Uh, February the 14th and, and August the uh, the 28th of, of 2020. And of course, how could I celebrate my birthday on Valentine's Day, which is the day my wife gave me? <laughs> um, but but no, it's just wonderful. The kindness of people, in spite of, of all the darkness that surrounds us, um, the kindness of strangers. And she wasn't quite a stranger, but you know, at the end of the day, she didn't, she did, didn't know me. She didn't know me like the, the things that, like people that are around me. She didn't even know the, the resume that, that you read, read earlier. She could care less that, that you know, you worked for the, this place or that place or you were a public servant at some time. Uh, she just knew I was trying to buy some jewelry for my wife because since my wife gave my first kid, you have to buy her a lot of jewelry. <laughs> hey, man. This, this, has, this has been this has been just phenomenal. What, 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 we, what I wanted people to see and what I hope came across was that, yes, you all are very accomplished. Jim, with your own real estate company and construction company and um, 
D.A. Wiley, you being the first African-American and in, in appointed to that position after the former uh, D.A. was murdered and his wife, and but God had prepared you to be positioned to take that role. And Chief Justice Wright, many years ago, when your dad said, no, you're not going to that party, he instilled in you the ability to think independently and to be who you are. God did that. Had he not done that, your life would have not, we may not even be sitting here talking to you today. And Aaron, you the same. Uh, all four of you, your life is not in what you do. It's who you are in Christ. And I admire you so much. And, uh, the values, the purpose, you have to find that thing that you were born to do. Because God says he knows the plans that he has for us, but we need to ask him what those plans are and then have the courage to pursue them. And you four exhibit that courage to pursue the purpose that God had for you in your career, in who you chose to marry, and even the the relationships that, that, that you formed. That, to me, is leadership. Because it starts with God. And it starts with who we are in, in Him. Not what we are. Because the what we are won't get us the kidney. It won't get us to heaven. It won't do any of those things. And Justice Wright, I don't know if you remember, but I remember... Uh, when we initially talked, and you said that it was a God thing with Justice Evans. And Aaron, uh, reading the articles with Jennifer, Jennifer, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Jennifer said, she said, it was in the Lord's hands. Mm -hmm. And that is just amazing. She, a white woman, you, a black male, Judge Evans, a white male, and Justice Wright, a black female, all of those things that we look at that divide us don't matter. And you are a living example of that in your career, in your life. And I hope that we got that across today to people. Uh, it doesn't matter about race or your politics. It matters who you are, your values, your purpose. And I thank you for that. Thank you for being here. And, and any closing words that you guys have, uh, please chime in. I First just want to thank you, Dorothy, yeah. for all that you do um, just for, let me say that um, spirituality is just so important. Uh, not religiosity, mm -hmm. but spirituality spirituality and you do so much um, for persons who are in public life to let them know that it's really okay to let people know that um, that you live a purpose-driven life um, and that um, and you, you, you hear, you, 
you speak to and you listen to the God that is within you. Thank you. I try. I don't always get it, but I, he's beat me up enough. I've, I've been to the woodshed enough to, to, to listen. Thank well, you. Well, I think there's, she, she summed it up right, Dorothy, but we appreciate the opportunity and everything that uh, I know Jim and I are alike in being spouses of people that were chronically ill with kidney failure. And even though condyver kidneys don't work as well as a live donor, it's just signing that card on your driver's license because it'll extend people's life because the real goal here is for them to figure out a way that they'll have something mechanical or some other device. But we have so many opportunities. I, you know, I was going to say Judge Evans is really a kind person because occasionally he'll reach out to me as a person that donated kidney because we're similarly situated and ask me about a question. How did you do this? Are you going to take your vaccines? And he still has my email and we'll chat a little bit. So he's very concerned about my health since I gave kidney, but he also wants to know, hey, she's lived another 10, 12 years after donating. Do I, you know, I, I've got longevity. I'm like, you're fine, man. You're, you're great. You're healthy. Being healthy is important in the community. You know, now I'm speaking about the African-American community because that's what Judge was alluding to, that we need the donations within our community, but we can't give because of our diet, our lifestyle choices, and our own health. And that would be a blessing to just recognize that how you live and your health this gives you an opportunity to give life, and that's just something else. But thank you, Dorothy, for the conversation and for um, doing what God has told you to do, even though you're heartache, as you've told us that, so I can say that. But I think you have shown us that these conversations are so good to have, and we're so glad to participate. It's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you all. And remember those numbers, African-Americans, 60% uh, of the recipients, but only 30% donate. So sign that card, sign because you, you never know who you may help and who may need that kidney. And it may be you. We just don't know. Yeah. Leaders give, don't they? Oh, they give and they give. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, thank you. Thank you for all that you mean to Justice Wright and uh, being her support and being there for her through some very difficult and some good times. Uh, D.A. Wiley, thank you so very much. I admire you and Justice Wright so much. I mean, I just I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're going to do this. But y'all did it. And I thank you so very much. I admire you as strong black women. Uh, and people, women need to see more of that. Women need to see more of that, that, that you matter and that you can achieve. You can be Chief Justice. You can be a DA. Thank you for that. Thank you for the example. Thank you for your, your courage, your integrity, your honesty, and for being the public servant leaders that you are. Um, thank you. Aaron, God bless you. Thank you so very much uh, for being there for, for early. And y'all are just... Y'all are just good people. I, I just, I'm grateful. And I'm thankful that people would get to see you on YouTube and get to see this over and over again to see that public servant leaders really, um, what it's really all about, the values, all of those things that all of you exhibit. And um, thank you. I can't and thank to you all enough. of you, be blessed. Thank you for listening. Governing God's Way is the practical application of kingdom principles 
to inspire transformative change within ourselves and within our spheres of influence is how Jesus did it, is how we strive to do it. Because good governance begins with self-governance because God always begins from within. Grab a copy of my book from Amazon.com, Why We Fall, The Power of Self-Awareness. The book every leader and aspiring leader should read to help you avoid sabotaging your own success. To learn more about Sips Inc. and how you can support our work, please visit our website at cipsinc.org.